I invite you to open as we close out our message series from Ecclesiastes and Solomon. Solomon gives some wise words to the next generation. We want to listen into what he has to say because for you and I, it is easy to preach at people. It's easy to lecture people. It's easy to tell them what to do rather than to nurture and to, uh, and to lead in a gentle way. And what we want to be able to do today is to be able to give some ideas of what should happen and could happen in the life of a, of a person that commits themselves to Christ early on, to be able to follow him. And I want to say this before I go any further. I committed my life to Jesus Christ as a young person. I gave him myself, sold out completely to follow him as a teenager. I did make a difference in my community. I did make a difference in my classrooms. I did make a difference in my family. I did make a difference in my church. I did make a difference in the college I went to. I made a difference in every church I've been in because I absolutely decided to sell out to Jesus Christ. No reserve, no regret, no retreat. And I don't, I don't regret that one bit. I have given myself completely to him and I am excited to be part of his team. And I wanna tell you what, I recommend this kind of life to anybody because I don't lay awake at night thinking about all the things that I've done, goofy and all the places I've been and all the stupid stuff because I think about what God has chosen to do to bless me and how he's worked through me. And it's exciting to be on his team. And I recommend it to you if you're a young person here. And I recommend to you at any age you are. But today, by way of introduction, I was meeting with several of our, of our leaders of the, of the student ministries at our church and across our campuses. And I thank God for them. They are wonderful people. Can we hear it for them today? They are wonderful people. Pastor Peter Torres said this, he said, you know, I, I'm afraid that many parents will forget that they are the biggest influence on their children. The biggest influence is them. It is, it is you, you are the biggest influence on your children. You know what I found? It's easy to have a child. It takes a few minutes, and then it takes nine months, and then you have this child. But it takes intentionality to raise that child. It takes a lot of commitment and a lot of energy, and it takes a lot of stick to to be able to raise that child in the way they should go. It's not just gonna happen by accident, and it's not gonna happen if they just get one hour of church a week, nope. It's gonna happen whenever we influence them at home, when we influence them when we're driving down the road, when we're hauling them to school, when we're working out homework, whenever we're getting ready to go to bed, when we're sitting at the dinner table, it's gonna take intentionality wherever we are. And he said this, if, parents see, if kids see their parents working nonstop and filling every minute of their schedule, that's what the kids are gonna do. And if Parents just drop off their kids at church and are not applying any biblical truths into their own lives to influence a kid. Their kid will grow up thinking that church is not important. One thing I've noticed a lot recently, he goes on to say, is how fast kids are pushed to grow up. The kids are learning about sex and sexuality at a very early age. Adult things continue to get younger and younger. A lot of it's due to the media and to the culture. And kids' movies are now, talk about finding who you are, he said, and portraying kids in situations that I remember waiting until I was a teen and feeling those questions and those kinds of pressures. And I think he's right. Today we want to listen into Solomon as he gives us three instructions about youth that can really apply to every generation and show us how to live our life to the fullest to make the difference for Jesus Christ. And what he says first of all is, he gives special instructions for young people. 
Look in chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. I hope you have your Bible or log on and look at it and see what it's saying to us. First thing he said, and Pastor Melanie read a little bit ago, he says, rejoice in your youthfulness. This is a couple days ago, Pam and I were driving our grandchildren, Lily 4, Josiah 2, and we were driving along there in the car seats behind us. And as we, as we move along the road, Lily is leaning over to Josiah in his seat, and she's saying, when we get home, I'll give you a hug. It's okay. When we get home, I'll give you a hug. She repeated that. And I said, Lily, is, is something wrong? Is something wrong? And she said, no, Josiah just wishes he was three years old now. <laughs> Isn't it something when we're 15, we wish we were 16. When we're 16, we wish we were 18. When we're 18, we wish we were 21. And when we're 30, we wish we were 21. It's kind of crazy how it works. Levi Torres says, I wish I was an adult so I can do what I want. He's four years old. We want to be able to do things and rush our lives along. He says here, rejoice in your youthfulness. Notice what he says in verse 9. Don't wish away your youth. Don't let it go away just speedily. He says, embrace it. Get the most out of it. He urges us to enjoy our years while we walk through them. You may not like your years of homework, but just be glad you're not sitting there paying all the bills and figuring out how you're going to do that. You may not enjoy all the times whenever you have deadlines that you have to make, like go to bed, clean up your room, whatever it is that your folks have put on you. But just remember, you're not responsible for the whole household. And these are days that you can enjoy. David Jeremiah said youth has a lot of advantages, less responsibility, lots of energy, many good friends, boatloads of opportunities are lying ahead of you. Somebody has said this. I don't know who it was, but somebody said this. We get old too soon and smart too late. I think that's true. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house? When you're cool enough to drive the cool car, you can't afford it. And when you can afford it, you're not cool enough anymore. I know that. So make the most of the youthful years. And I know we'll have a lot more young people in our next service and many of them down the hall. But I want to speak to you to remind you, and some here are young, but I want to remind you as you influence your children and your grandchildren to be patient with them and to remember the words that Solomon is giving. Josh Kickline, a pastor of ours, to our student ministries, he said this, as parents, we get such busy schedules for our kids that they often forget to be kids. Perhaps we do this for several reasons, he went on, to keep them out of trouble or to hide our lack of willingness to create things for them to do. But perhaps we do this, when we do this, we eliminate their imaginations and just times to chill out. I think they're giving some good insight, and I'm glad these type of people are influencing our children. Solomon gives a second insight he wants us to understand. In chapter 12, go there, verses 1 through 12. He says, you are to honor your creator early in your life. Holly Haight said this as she leads children over at our Lehighton campus. She said, the children want time. It's what I find kids want from their parents. And parents are forgetting to slow down and do just simple things with their kids. Quality one on time, not watching TV and electronics together. It reminds me of when Lily came to me and she said, Pop, Pop, I want to play. I said, you want to watch a movie? No, I want you to look at me. And she grabbed my face. She wanted FaceTime, and it wasn't screen time. It was me time that she wanted. 
and your kids probably want the same thing. The other night, Andrea and Robert, my daughter and her husband, Robert, he prayed a prayer today. It's his birthday, by the way, today. But they were laying Jojo, their two-year-old, to bed. One of them laid on one side of him, and one of them laid on the other for their nighttime rituals or whatever they would do. And he looked up at them, and he smiled, which he smiles a lot. He looked up at them, and he smiled, and he said, this is cool. And I think it is cool. And to be able to teach our kids, we have to spend time with them. And to be able to influence them, I think we need to be able to interact with them and to spend some God time with them, just talking about some God things to them, singing the songs of the faith to them, picking up some books out in the lobby that Pastor Justin mentioned a bit ago, and get them for them and give them to them. And they color outside the line, so what? They put stickers someplace they shouldn't, so what? It's okay. Don't sweat the small stuff. But to remember, to encourage them, to early in their life, remember God. Some people have said, well, the kids are just kids, and they're just supposed to be, supposed to be seen and not heard. But let me tell you something. When you read the biblical account, and you really understand what's going on, you see that David was a very young man, and he influenced and ended up leading his nation. He led them to victory. When you read the account of Joseph in the Bible, not Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, the coat of many colors. You read that that guy absolutely influenced people around him. He was immature and offended his brothers. And sometimes we will offend people, won't we? Then, when you get just a little bit bigger, you see him there uh, sold into slavery, and then at Potiphar's house, and then in prison. And finally, as a young man, he stands in the presence of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I'm going to make you number two in charge of the land. Just a young man. And you take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some people, from what I understand, project they may have been as young as eight years old when they refused the food that was offered to them. They had already been taught the things of the faith, and they would not reject what God had given to them or had instructed them to do. Naaman, big, pompous military man, a leader, he has a leprosy problem, goes to the prophet of God. The prophet says, dip seven times in the river. And he says, I don't want to dip in the river. There's a little servant girl who is a slave girl. We don't know much about her. But she respected God, and she respected the homeland. And she said to him, well, you know, really, it could help. Why don't you give it a try? And there he is, giving it a try. And when he went down the sixth time, he was still with leprosy. But when he went down seven, he came back up, and he was clean, his skin as pure as a baby. It was a little girl. And what about the little boy? The little boy who brought his lunch. I don't know whether he was excited about sharing his lunch or not, but he shared his two loaves and fish, and he became the most celebrated little guy in the Bible for being able to share his food. It was meal on wheels early on in the scriptures. And then Solomon in verses 6 through 8 describes what's going to happen to your body if you're a young person and you're listening to me today, you might want to listen to this. He gives a lot of metaphors and imagery. Look at verse 3. Your keepers of the house, he's talking about your arms and your hands, they start to tremble as you get older. He talks about strong men in verse 3, your legs and your knees and your shoulders weaken and you bend over a little bit. You don't mean to, you don't want to, but you do. He talks about your grinders and you start to lose them. You know what he's talking about? Your teeth, they start to fall out. Your windows, he's talking about your vision. 
It starts to fade. Your doors, he's talking about your ears starting to fail. Rise up. You wake up with the birds and wish you could sleep longer. <laughs> Music, it starts to fade. You get afraid of heights and you're afraid of walking down the street and falling in your old age. The almond tree, it talks about its white blossoms. It's talking about your white hair. The grasshopper dragging itself along at the close of summer, like your life that's about to end. Your desire, your appetite starts to fade. Your sexual desire, your energies begin to fade. Your long home, it talks about your eternal home in verse 5. He says, all of this is going to happen to you as you get older, and it will. It will happen to you. So what does he say? He says here that you are to honor your creator early in your life. Verses 3 through 8, he invites us to give our young self to our creator. Let me say this in all respect. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and the thief on the cross says, remember me today in your kingdom, he says, today I'll remember you in paradise. I'll remember you in my kingdom. So he receives him into the kingdom. He didn't have anything to offer. He couldn't go serve at VBS. He couldn't serve on some team and committee. He couldn't go build a house for someone, sharpen the blades of their lawn. He couldn't do anything for anybody. He was dying. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So we know that he is getting ready to head off to paradise. He doesn't have much to give the Lord, but he's given him what he did have left. So today, if you're older and you're sitting here and you're listening to me or watching today and you're a little bit older and you say, well, good grief, Kev, I'm older now. Do I have anything to give God? Well, if the thief on the cross does, we all do. And you can give him whatever you have left. Can I get a witness in the house? Somebody might need your witness today to encourage them. And so we encourage those that are older to go ahead and give your life to Christ now. Confess your sin. Trust in him as your savior. That's what should happen. But Solomon is saying something else here. He's saying when you're young and you have your whole future ahead of you, you could be anything, you could do anything, you could go anywhere, it could be bright for you in your future, you have all of your strength, you have all of your abilities and faculties about you. He says to you, I want you to understand that the Lord wants you and he wants your best years. When I was a kid, we used to sing a hymn, give of your best to the master. Give him first place in your life. And it said, give of the strength of your youth. And that's what he's asking for. He's asking for all of you. He's asking for the very best of you. He doesn't want just your leftovers when you become an old person or just when you're on your dying bed. He wants every bit of us. And that's what he is saying right here. So I want to encourage you to sow as many good seeds as you can because we understand the law of the harvest. You, you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. And I'm happy to be reaping a very good harvest right now in my life because all along the way I've intentionally sown good seeds. It has been an intentional journey for me of faith. And then I notice something else Solomon says. The last thing we want to notice that he says. Solomon gives the greatest instruction for youth, the greatest. In chapter 11, then in 12, notice in verse 13 of chapter 12, he tells us, echoing again what he says in 11, remember God. Here's how he says it this time. Fear God. To fear God means to honor God. It means to respect God. It means to revere him. And then to remember him means to acknowledge him in all of your ways. They preached about this just a few weeks ago from Proverbs chapter 3. 
In all your ways acknowledge him. Why? He will direct your paths. It's a deal that he makes with us. Josh Denhart, who is um, a professor and a scientist, but also a kids minister, gave a, a recent result of a survey that he took of why kids stay connected with Christ. He said 75% of the children that he surveyed left Christ and left the church between 18 and 29 years old. It's been amazing to me how so many have gone through our youth group and have faded off into the distance somewhere. Why then do the 25% of the kids stay connected between 18 and 29? I think he gave some insights that are worth hearing. He said they ate dinner five of seven nights a week with their family. Number two, they served with their families in ministry. Number three, they had one spiritual experience in the home during the week, a conversation, a prayer, a song, something. Number four, they were entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early age. Number five, they had at least one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parents. These are important ingredients to helping our children maintain an aggressive faith to follow after Christ with all their heart and to be everything they can be for him. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it says, parents, we are to instruct our children in the way they should go. Many times we would sit at our dinner table and we would sit there at the table and we would, we would do Bible drills. We would, we would do Bible drills, which means we would ask Bible questions, age appropriate for our kids. To some, that's a very foreign thing. At our home, it was a very common thing. And we would try to ask a question that would, that would work for the kids that were two or three, four or five, and then when they were seven or eight, nine or 10, we'd try to ask some harder questions, and they would fire questions back at us. And then we would give them answers, and then it would lead to conversations that we would do. They wanted to do this. This wasn't me trying to drive it home and say, you're a preacher's kid, you gotta know this stuff, because I don't think that's the way to do it. <laughs> Uh, that might be your way, but that's not my way. I don't like that. And so it was to bring them in and to endear them to the faith. And I still remember whenever we lived in Warrington, Missouri, I had my daughter Andrea ride with me over to a neighboring town 20 minutes away. And I would talk to her about God, and I would talk to her about her life. And I would talk to her as she was a girl about 8, 9, 10 years old. And I would talk to her about why we're doing certain things that we're doing. And you know where she is this morning? She's over in Bethlehem preaching at a church this morning. And then I would take my son Andrew and put him in the car, and we'd go driving down the road. And he didn't want to talk about things like this. And so I realized I had to come a different way to him. And then pretty soon he became, he became inquisitive to me. And he became, at his teenage years, very interested in the faith. And he wanted to know why I was doing things and how we were doing things and what was going on with that. And you know where he is today? He's leading a campus in, a, in the South as a campus pastor of a church. And then I would take... The youngest went along, and um, boy, <laughs> he educated me more than the other two put together for a while. And finally, he was like, along about college, it hit, and it took. And people like Pastor Dan and Pastor Justin and Pastor Ron before them had poured into my kids, and I thank God for them, and Ken and Judy Davis, 
and Tim Moore and Eric Ebbinghaus and some other great people in our lives, the Telforts in Missouri, they, missionaries came back, they poured into them, and they were those extra people that poured in, and Pam and myself, and she would have those conversations at home like I was having out with them. And today he led our music up here. Caboose came around. Every child has their opportunity to make their own decision. They don't all follow the Lord, do they? But it's up to us to present the faith. And we have, di- we have tried to do that, and that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Now Solomon gives a sobering reminder to the young people here as he gives the greatest of his instruction. He says, you have a great opportunity in your life in chapter 11, verse 9. Be cheerful and enjoy your, your life while you are young. Do what you want and find pleasure in what you see. That, of course, is within the reins of what God would prefer. It's not just saying, hey, go be a nut. No, it isn't that. He goes ahead and qualifies it, the accountability. Look at it. Keep in mind that someday you will give an account to God for everything you do. So he says, have fun and play within the boundaries of it all. In other words, have fun, enjoy yourself, be creative, go do some stuff that you like to do, that you should do when you're 15, you're not to be 40 and 50 years old. Your brain hasn't grown together in the middle anyway. You sometimes are going to be a dumb nut. It's going to happen. It's okay. We all were. But you don't want to do stuff that's so goofy, that is so off the wall, that you end up living to regret it. That's what he's saying. In verse 10, he continues on, and look what he says here. Youthful living under the sun is meaningless. What's he saying by that? If you live by just the world standards, if you live by just the culture that is created in pop and in all of the other places that are available to us, just the peer pressure of your junior high group, if you just live within that, that's living under the sun, he says. Life will be meaningless because you've got to have the coolest lipstick, the best perfume, the right kind of shoes, the right kind of dress. You've got to have the right kind of hairdo or hair don't. You've got to have all of this going along for you whenever you're in this kind of age. And you get a little older and you realize that didn't matter. It's the meaningless stuff under the sun he's talking about. Doesn't mean you don't want to be cool, but it means that isn't the standard of excellence that you're shooting for. It's be cool and have fun and remember God. That's what he's saying. Look in chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Everything that you have been taught, Solomon says, can be put in few words. Here they are. Respect and obey God. This is what life is all about. God will judge everything we do, even what is done in secret, whether good or bad. Enjoy your life to the fullest, is what he is saying here. Pastor Josh Kickline said this. Students are often pushed to put their energy into a singular focus, whether that's sports or music. Why do we place such high importance on things that don't make an eternal impact? I wonder the same thing. One writer said this, and I close. If I were a young person, I would look at my life like a premium bowl of chocolate ice cream. How many of you like chocolate ice cream? I don't. I like vanilla with chocolate drizzle and a little caramel on it. 
See, something like that will get in your mouth. But anyway, he liked chocolate ice cream. <laughs> so what else did he say? I would savor every bite. It'd be foolish to hurry, hurry through it when there's only so much ice cream in the bowl. I would take a moment to thank God before digging in and be grateful that he had designed such a treat to melt so delightfully on the tongue. He would be ever in my grateful thoughts. Use this to be enjoyed and dedicated to the one who planned it for us. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for every, every young person that will hear this message today. Every family member who has a young person in their life, child, grandchild, great-grandchild, who we'd be encouraged to encourage them, to encourage them toward you, to encourage them to enjoy their life and to celebrate even when we get out of energy and they're not. That they would be able to enjoy this life that you have given. For this, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Thank you for BWC. Lord, it was here way before we were, but it's here and a lighthouse to our community and a lighthouse to the children, the youth, the young people. Thank you for this place. Thank you for every volunteer that's ever volunteered in this place for the glory of God and the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said,